First Timothy is where we're going to be. Um, I would also like you to be praying for Cody and Anna Watson. Um, I was going to put a picture on the screen this morning, but I don't have it with me today. Uh, Anna is back at Tampa General. Uh, she is doing second round of chemo. And uh, she posted something on Facebook this week that I thought was really, really powerful. Uh, but please keep Cody and Anna Watson in your prayers. If you are part of our email prayer list, uh, we did send you a picture of Cody and Anna. And we did send you uh, the latest prayer request from Anna. Um, but please, uh, what we've been told is, um, I think it's two weeks after the baby will, is going to be born, which I still think that's five weeks away, according to all the plans. Um, don't hold me to everything, because uh, everything changes in medical field. But the, the, the plan is for her to give birth, and then I think two weeks later she will start radiation on her tongue. Um, and so um, her prayer request right now is they would like to reduce her pain medication um, because they're afraid that that baby will be addicted to that pain medication. And so that's one thing that they are concerned about. Um, she has um, actually put on weight for the first time in her pregnancy, which is a miracle. Uh, the doctor said you need to add two or three pounds by the time you come back, and God has uh, seen fit for that to happen. And so uh, just please keep Cody and Anna Watson in your prayers. I know that they would appreciate them, a uh, young couple that love the Lord. And uh, if and I'll try to have next week, I'll try to have her, her um, prayer request um, on the screen because it's really neat to, to read. And I'm not sure how old Anna is and my wife walked out, but I think Anna's probably 25, 24, somewhere in there. And her prayer request was really, really powerful. Um, and so um, I know they'd appreciate your prayers and excited about what God has planned for them and their new little son. Uh, and, uh, but I know they, they need us right now. Uh, they are family uh, of ours, and we love them dearly, and a wonderful couple that love Jesus, and we're asking the Lord to be with them as they go through this difficult time. Uh, also, um, if, just so you're aware, um, a young couple has been coming to church um, in the second hour, and so uh, Susan and I had the opportunity to be part of their wedding yesterday, Nolan and Andrea yours. Uh, were married yesterday, and uh, she worked for one of the dentists, and he worked for the county, and just a young couple, and so just encouraging them to follow Jesus, and as they established a new home yesterday, we just say congratulations to them um, today, this morning here at, in the BFC family. So if you have your Bible, First Timothy, um, we're actually going to make it out, make it out of chapter one today. I hope you're excited about that. I am. Uh, we made it through. We will finish chapter one today, Lord willing. As long as uh, the wheels don't fall off, we'll finish chapter one. Um, but it's neat for me, uh, as I, and I hope it will be for you, as you come back to the Word of God and, and as you read it, maybe during the week or study it for yourself at another time in life, that you'll come back and say, hey, this is, this is you know, Paul's letter to a young man, Timothy. And you can walk yourself through some just general concepts of 1 Timothy chapter one. That'll just encourage your personal spiritual growth. And so this is what I've written down for me. I do have some notes in my Bible, but I just want to, to recap that uh, with you this morning that Paul is writing uh, to the young man, Timothy. You read the word apostle in verse one of chapter one. Uh, I like the word messenger. Paul is saying to, to uh, this young man, Timothy, uh, I am a messenger. I think it's really important after you read the word messenger, you read of Christ Jesus. There's a lot of opportunities, I'm sure, in Paul's day for being a messenger 
for a lot of different things. He wanted this young man, Timothy, to know, yes, I am a messenger, but I have a specific message, and it comes from a specific person, Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's a lot of times, and I'm not saying, you know, these are in and of themselves, they're not bad things, but there are things that we as Christians can become messengers of. And there are a lot of ways for us to be distracted. I wrote down a couple of them. You know, it's easy at times for me to be distracted when it comes to the sports world. It's easy for me at times to be distracted of all the different things. I don't know about you, but sometimes it gets discouraged when you see all the bad things happening. It's like, it's like, Lord, really, are you still alive? And the Lord still is alive, even though all these bad things are happening. Also, it's easy to become distracted with politics, with the news, with media. All the, there's a lot of different things. And for some of you, none of this might not even be an issue. You might have something totally else that could be a distractor. Each one of us in this room has ways that Satan wants to distract us from being a messenger of Christ Jesus. That's the most important thing. And so as we gather together as a family, it's neat that Paul says to Timothy, hey, I am a messenger, but what I speak, I speak about Christ Jesus. He says that because, if you go down in verse 2, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the only one that can provide grace, mercy, and peace. He's the only one. So you have all these other things that we could be talking about, thinking about, But there's only one at the end of the day that will provide grace, mercy, and peace, and that is Christ Jesus. I've said this to you a lot of different times. He's asked Timothy to stay in Ephesus. He's asked Timothy to be an instructor of sound doctrine. You can read that down in verse 3. Stay in Ephesus that he may command certain men not to teach false doctrines, not to teach anything other than Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So he wanted to make sure that there was going to be a man left in Ephesus that would be willing to stand up for those principles. It's going to be very interesting as times change in America. How many of us will be willing to be a messenger of Christ Jesus in a day and age that's not going to be interested in Christ Jesus? That's going to say to us a lot of different things will provide grace, peace, and and mercy. And we will know there's only one person that provides those, and that is Christ Jesus. As you go along, Paul is very thankful for his salvation. You've gathered this morning. You're alive today. You had nothing to do with about you being alive today. You didn't roll over and say, okay, heart, we need to beat these minutes, this many times, this minute, you know, this minute. And I'm going to walk a little faster so you can beat a little faster. And I'm going to do this, and so now I can slow down. None of us have anything to do with that. You're alive today because Jesus wants you to be alive. And so as you gather, it's very easy for us in a church to sit here and just think about coincidence. Think about, oh, well, it's not a big deal. You have life today through Jesus Christ. Guess what? Salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. And it's also very important as a family that we never, ever stop being thankful for our salvation. It's very easy to sit in church, sit, soak, and sour. It's easy. But for us to stop and say this morning, say, you know what? I'm alive because of Jesus Christ. I have life today because of Jesus Christ. I have salvation today because of Christ Jesus. Where would you be if he didn't reach down and say, hey, I want you to be part of my family? Where would you be this morning without a Savior? Where would you be tomorrow? 
Can you imagine, I don't know what it would be like for me to wake up and not have hope today. Not have to be able to go to say to somebody this morning, Jesus, I need help for today. I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't know about you, but I've got issues. I've got burdens. I got worries, and I'm a preacher, okay? I don't mind admitting it. And so I say, Jesus, I need you today. And I never want to get over thankfulness in my heart for Christ Jesus. Knowing Paul was a persecutor, knowing he, he was a persecutor of, of the church, and saying, hey, people can come to know Christ today because I was the worst persecutor of all. You can read that on as you go through First uh, Timothy chapter 1. But I want to pick it up this morning in verse 18. Timothy, my son, I give you these instructions in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that you might follow them, so that you might fight the good fight, hold to the faith, and, grow, and a good conscience. Some have rejected these things and have shipwrecked their faith. I want you to stop there. Some things I think that are really exciting in this passage of Scripture. And if you probably wanted to pick a verse out of this, this uh, 1 Timothy, probably one of your theme verses would be for Paul to encourage this young man, Timothy, to fight a good fight. And as I think about, as, a, as Paul is sharing with this young man, Timothy, and he's going to encourage this young man, Timothy, there's something that jumps out at, to me as I see this in verse 18. Timothy, my son. It's interesting to me this morning, as a word that you hear a lot in churches, and it's the word called discipleship. Interesting this morning that Paul calls Timothy his son. A lot of people believe that Paul came to, or Timothy came to Christ under uh, Paul's ministry. But it wasn't just good enough for Paul to say, oh yeah, here's, this guy's going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me this young man, Timothy. There's something about Paul's heart towards Timothy's heart, and he wants to instruct this young man. He wants to be involved in his life. It's not just a convert. It's not just a person. It's Timothy, his son. It's Timothy, I want to invest in a younger generation. Timothy, I want to be involved in your life. And what's very interesting, and I know, I know when we say the word discipleship, we all want to run and hide because there's not one of us sitting in this, well, there's a few of us sitting in this room that's really, this comes natural and easy. But we get scared because we might not have a theological education. Or we might not have this. Or we might not have that. It's not about what you have. It's about if you're going to be willing to sit down and give somebody else. Hey, I'm listening to you. Whatever you give to me, I'll pass on to those who are around. And so this morning, I realize when I say the word discipleship, some of us are scared. Some of us already are busy. I'm not asking for hours of your time. I don't think discipleship is going to take hour meetings. Two-hour meetings. Okay, we need to come sit. This is what I'm going to tell you today. Okay, now you can go on. I don't think so. I realize that some of you have family. Some of you are married. If you are married, I want to encourage you to invest in your marriage first, your family second, your friends third, and others around you last. Some of you are single. I would encourage you to invest in your personal relationship with Jesus and ask Jesus to give people around you so that you can invest in. What do we get to see from the Word of God? Paul has a vested interest in who? A young man, Timothy. Here's a question for you. And it doesn't matter about age. Because all of us 
have somebody that's younger than us? Are we, are you, are we investing in other people? Are we saying, you know what, I want to be involved. And it can be, it's a, it can be a text message today. It's just, it can be as simple as, hey, I'm praying for you this morning. It doesn't have to be, it can be other times you sit down and say, here, can you imagine what this meeting must have been like when Paul said to Timothy, hey, I want you to go to stay in Ephesus, and there's some difficult things there, and I'm going to ask you to stay there and talk against the false doctrine. I'm sure that was not a fun conversation with Paul and Timothy. So there are going to be some times where you're going to have to say, hey, I think maybe you need to do this. But the question is, is I think what happens to most of us, you all are too busy. And so Satan is winning the generational war because your calendar is full. And your calendar has nothing to do with discipleship. I can almost promise you, and it doesn't matter if you're gray hair or you're little, you've been running all week long. And I can promise you most of those things that you've been doing are not bad things. It better not be bad things or God's going to come get you. Okay? It's not normally bad. It's just busy. And so when you're busy, what happens? You get tired. What happens? You stop forgetting about other people. Discipleship is purposeful. It takes time. But guess what? If you're too busy, you're not going to get involved in it. And so you gathered in, in a building this morning and you're listening to an opportunity. You say, here, Paul's saying to this young man, Timothy, this is his son. It's more than just a, hey, here's a relationship. Paul wants to invest in Timothy's life discipleship I want to encourage every single one of you sitting in this building if you belong to Jesus Christ and I define that as there's a time in your life that you said yes Jesus I'm asking for forgiveness of my sin I'm accepting this free gift of salvation I want you to be part of my life that's you then you're on a team it's Jesus' team you know what Jesus wants from you to invest in other team members and other people discipleship so I want to challenge you. I wanted you to challenge you to take your little calendar and somehow fit it in. Discipleship. Somehow you ask the Lord to give you a name for a person. Say, Lord, I want to invest in that person spiritually. Notice, I have not said to you that you need to have a 45-minute Bible study. I have not said to you you need to get out the doctor's name. I'm not against any of those things. Those things are huge but you have to start with the relationship. You have to start discipling yourself, opening the Word of God. If you don't open this book, who are you going to go talk to you about? You can't go talk to anybody if you don't open it. You know what you're going to end up talking to them about? Things that don't last for eternity. It's easy to talk about things that don't last for eternity. It's hard to open the book and say, Lord, you're changing my life in this area. And I want to share it with somebody else. Lord, you're putting pressure on me in this. And I think of you. And I've watched you grow. I've watched the two of you grow. I've watched people invest in your lives. And you're not the same people. I love sitting around the campfire with you. I love to hear your stories. But you know what I'm more excited about? is that there was a man that said, hey, I want to take you to a book. And he's invested in your life. 
and your lives will never be the same because of that. And what's neat is I'm watching you now invest in other people's lives. And it's exciting. It's just neat. And generations are going to be changed because of that. And I can go around the room and talk to a lot of different people. But I just want to encourage you today, as you kind of read through a passage of Scripture, don't miss the little words. My son, don't miss investment. Don't miss discipleship. And and Paul's going to tell Timothy some very pointed things now. He says this, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction, is what my NIV Bible says. I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. Timothy, I give you this command. Timothy, I'm entrusting something to you. Timothy, I'm going to give you something that I want you to pass on to the next generation. Timothy, I'm entrusting to you that you will fight the good fight. That you will hold to the faith in good conscience. So Timothy, I don't know, you know, as I read on in this passage of scripture, I see Paul as an older man discipling Timothy. He's going to instruct Timothy in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. I don't know what all that means. I don't know if there's a group of people that identified Timothy after he came to know Christ and said, you know what? This person will be a great person for full-time ministry. I don't know. It could be. It could be that Timothy was, came to know Christ and said, "Go, Lord, I want to serve you. So it could have been an ordination. Okay, we, endure, we ordain you to be involved in ministry. Could be that. I don't know all that. But what I know is Paul has left Timothy with an instruction. He's charged him. He's commanded. He's entrusted Timothy to pass something on. What is that? Timothy, fight the good fight. I don't know about you, but all the years I was involved in church as a young man, nobody ever told me that the Christian life was going to be a battle. I just thought if I went to church, my life would be pretty normal. It's not true. See, there's a war going on. And Satan wants to destroy you. And you're going to have to make a choice to battle. You're going to have to make a choice to get up and say, you know what, I'm putting the armor on today. I'm going to go back out into a war. So he says to this young man, Timothy, fight the good fight. And here's the battle. And I think this is the battle really mostly in our generation right now. I believe the battle is there's a danger for us to accommodate our faith to our failures. See, there's a real danger right now. There's a danger in our society to no longer call sin, sin. And I know most of you grew up in what I would declare or qualify as hellfire and brimstone preachers. They could slap the pulpit. They're telling you you're going to hell every other weekend. I mean, you got it. I understand that. I, I know what that's like. But it's really interesting how fast we've moved away from that, isn't it? How often we just say, well, you know, God loves us. Does Jesus love you? 
Absolutely. How much does he love you? He was willing to die on the cross for your sin. But you know what I found? That my father that was willing to die on the cross for my sins, Jesus Christ, calls certain things sin. And I recognize when I was in the Patterson family, if there was something that my dad did not want me to do and I did it, you know what happened? Consequences. And I never enjoyed my consequences. I never high-fived my dad after my consequences. Thank you, Dad, so much. I really appreciate you today. Maybe you did in your home, but I never did in my home. And so that's where I think this, we've, we've kind of dumbed it down or just dulled it away. Oh, well, Jesus loves us. We live in America. You know, ask Jesus to be part of your Savior. Ask him into your life. Yeah, that's all good. The day that you do that, you're in a war. Satan's coming after you. He wants to destroy you and your family for generations to come. He'll start with you first. So you better buckle it up. You better start thinking about there's a war. So what are you going to have to do in this battle? You're going to have to battle with faith. You're in a war and faith is the issue. Are you going to follow what is true? Are you going to follow the word of God? You've got, everybody's got, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of copy in any other language you want. In a lot of languages, you can almost get any translation, any version that you want. But the question is, when it says something to you, will you say, that is truth? That's the battle. Because it's really easy to say, well, it, it really doesn't mean that to our generation. I'm sure the Apostle Paul really wanted us to all feel good about our relationship with Jesus, so he's not going to ask us to do any more. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not true. So it's the same thing Paul, Paul's saying to this young man, Timothy, this generation, their generation was following myths and genealogies. Our generation is following the lies of the world. See, it is still wrong for somebody that says they love Jesus to get drunk. It's still wrong. Is alcohol wrong? No, it's not. But if you're sitting in this building and you say, you know what, you love Jesus, you said you sang you love Jesus. But if you're drunk, it's wrong. It's sin. I'm not calling it sin. The word of God calls it sin. If we're sitting in this building, and it's really interesting. You know, when, when, I, was, when I was a kid, we would, you'd hear this word. People were involved in an adulterous relationship. That was wrong. You know what it is today? It's just an affair. No, it's adultery. It's wrong. See, I made a commitment. It'll be 21 years ago in August over in that building. I stood in front of that building and, and some people, and I made a commitment. I was going to be faithful to Susan to death do us part. That's what I might commit for. I've got friends in my life that I've given permission to, and they've given permission to me. If, I start, if they feel like I'm making unwise choices and moving towards somebody else other than Susan, they have permission to put me in the hospital. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I'd, I'd rather be in the hospital than to let my wife down. I'd rather be in the hospital than have to go look my son in the eye and say, you know what, I love mom for these 21 years, but the 22nd year, I just got tired of it, so I'm just going to go do what I want to do. 
And you know what's really interesting? Nobody told me when I got saved as a Whirlybird kid that I was in a battle and my marriage was going to be the one of my biggest struggles. To keep this thing together. To stay committed. And why do I do that? Because the word of God said I gave you a gift. Adam for Eve. Not Eve's. Eve. You can ask Solomon how it worked out for him. Ask David how it worked out for him. Ask Abraham how it worked out for him. So all those guys, it didn't work out very good in my mind. So I'm thinking, well, those guys tried it in the Old Testament. They weren't very successful in managing that. I'm not trying it in the New Testament. I'm not interested. See, and, I, and you think about the word faith, and this is how I define the word faith. Fully abiding in the Holy Scripture. So what is Paul saying to Timothy? Behind the scenes, he's saying to this, Timothy... And we talked about this in a, a couple of weeks ago. Love the people that are around you. And Paul defines love how? 1 Corinthians 13. It has nothing to do with a feeling. He also defines love as Matthew chapter 16. If you want to follow me, you're going to do what? Take up your cross and deny your self and follow him. So that's how you define the word love. He's also saying to Timothy with a pure heart. We read that a couple weeks ago. Get rid of the self-centeredness. Ephesians chapter 2. Take your Bible, flip there. Ephesians 2. This is, where, this is the way you started. Right? This is how we all started. Ephesians 2. Pick it up in verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions. And sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit of, who is now at work in those are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were objects of wrath. That's where we started. This is where we need to be moving towards. Okay? We need to be growing towards spiritual maturity, moving towards this. Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. We should be moving towards this. None of us are at this, this, none of us are Jesus here. Okay, this is what, this is an example of what Jesus was for us. None of us are here at this point. None of us should be discouraged that we're not at this point. All of us should be begging the Holy Spirit to be working in our lives so that we're moving towards this. So when we get to the end of our life, the last day we take our breath, we're one step closer to looking like this with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit working through your life. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish in your life. Here it is. Your attitude should be the same, that of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Emptying ourselves, willingly saying, Jesus, it belongs to you. So, so Paul's challenging this young man, Timothy, 
with a pure heart, Timothy, lay it over to Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to love your mate. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to love your children and your grandchildren. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you, the, the person that you don't like at work, so that you actually smile at them and be nice to them, love them. With a good conscience. When you lie down at night, do you feel bad about something you said or done during the day? I've been thinking about this good conscience because he, he says it again here in, in verse 18. He says, uh, back in 1 Timothy 1.18, he says, um, you might fight the good fight holding on to the faith and good conscience. Holding on to the faith and good conscience. Why are those two together? I've been trying to figure out my mind. Why are they two together? I believe that they're together because sometimes it's easy to have good doctrine, which we want to have, but the hard part is listening to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we can get over here and say, well, look, we got all of our ducks in a row. Look at us. We got it all together. Then it becomes about us, doesn't it? But then normally what happens? The Holy Spirit will start pricking your heart. You know what your choice will be? Is say no to the Holy Spirit. He's coming after you. But he's also giving you the freedom to say, no, I don't know, that's not a big deal. Uh, no, nobody will ever know about that. Well, that's, that's just, you know, that's not really sin, it's not a big deal. So you have to have your faith fully abiding in the truth of the word of God, and you have to have with that the Holy Spirit working in your life to put it together. Because it's easy at times to say, yeah, that's what the word of God says, but we want to live the way we want to live. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to you in that still, small voice, when he pricks your heart, are you giving him permission to work in your life? Are you saying, hey, I hear you. First John 1, verse 9, most of you know it, right? If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness right? We also know if you read on a little bit farther that Christ was our propitiation for our sin, not only for our sin, but the sin of the whole world. So salvation is that, right? Word of God says that. That's good doctrine. Do you believe it? know something's true. Every single one of us sitting in this room sinned this week. That's what my Bible says. How many of us came to our Father and said, you know what, Father? We have sinned this week and we are agreeing with you that what you call sin is sin and we have messed it up this week. Because you know what we normally do? I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me. No, Father, I'm asking you today, and I'm agreeing with you based on the authority of the Word of God, that what I did this week was wrong. I'm asking you for forgiveness for my sin. It's not my salvation. 
It's me living under the authority of the Word of God. It's me saying, you know what? This is truth, and so I surrender to truth. And I'll agree with my Father that His truth is true. What's interesting? If Timothy doesn't fight this good fight for this faith and conscience, who's going to pay the price? Generations to come. Your message, my message, is for generations to come. We have the privilege to pass on something to the next generation. I love, you know, your, your little guy can ski, can kneeboard now. How do you learn that? Well, dad and mom said, here, this is what you do, this is how you do it. So they taught him how to do that. Awesome. He needs to learn that. He needs to have fun. But we also need to pass on to that next generation biblical truth because we believe in it. We need to say, you know what? This is God working miracles in the Old Testament so our children and our grandchildren will be encouraged about Jesus, that he's a loving God. But it's easier for us to be busy, read the newspaper, run around at work, be consumed by all those things, and guess what happens? The stuff that really matters gets passed off to the side. When thinking about this passage of Scripture, Paul doesn't leave something out. He doesn't leave out those who walk away. He doesn't leave out those who are blinded by Satan and they followed a path and he's just going to turn them over to Satan and say, here it is, go that way, Go go your way. Why didn't he leave them out? Because he wanted you and I to know it could be us. If you read 1 Timothy chapter 1, pick it up in verse 18. Think if Paul was writing to you right now. If the Holy Spirit wanted to say something to you specifically, what would it look like in our Bibles today? Would he encourage us to fight the good fight? Would he encourage your faith? Would he encourage you to keep on, keep it on? I don't know. But it's really fascinating for me to step back and say, okay, look, this is what Paul says to Timothy. This is what this older man that's investing in this younger man that he loves, he's entrusting this younger man to pass something on to the next generation with the help of the Holy Spirit. Timothy's just an ordinary person. He's weak. He's timid. He's, no, he's nobody special. But he's going to say to Timothy, fight for this, Timothy. Ask the Holy Spirit for this. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you instruct, to entrust the next generation what? Good faith. Good conscience. By the way, Timothy, it's a war. Some people will walk away. Where are you this morning? Are you the Paul talking down, encouraging this next generation thing? Are you the Timothy where people are investing in your life? Are you the ones that are walking away? I don't know where you are today. 
want you to, Nancy, if you can put up that, that last song, I Love You song, you can put that up on the screen. We've gathered as a family, which we I love to do. Thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing your Bible. I would encourage you tomorrow morning, open it, read it, cling to it, run to it. But as a family, we sang some songs. Didn't plan it. Don't know your heart. First verse. Can you, the next, the next slide. Lord, I give my life to you. Did you give me your life this week? Where do we hold back? I know it's a battle. It's a battle for me. I just, I want to encourage you to keep giving them your life. Keep running back to this book. Keep opening and say, speak to me. Word of God, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. Please, when he speaks, don't rationalize him away. Don't try to quiet the still small voice. Welcome him. Don't be afraid of when he pricks your heart. Open it up and say, all right, I know you love me. You love me so much you died on a cross. So maybe you're in this room today and you're, you're the Paul and you're encouraging people. Keep running to Jesus. Keep opening the word of God. Keep listening to the still small voice. If you're the Timothy, it's okay to be the Timothy. It's okay to have people invest in your life. It's okay. You're not bad. Just growing. But if you're the other two, and you're getting your close to pointing your finger at God and saying, God, I don't want to be with you anymore. God loves you enough to turn you away. God loves you enough to allow your world to be rocked. You'll come back and fall on your face before him. I want you to pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word to us. Thank you for 1 Timothy. Thank you for Paul writing to Timothy and encouraging Timothy. Thank you for the instruction you gave to Timothy. Lord, we can go on for hours. But if you're here this morning, are you fighting for the... Are you tired? Are you discouraged? Are you frustrated? Please, all those things are okay. We're not walking around looking for hope. You know, Pastor Todd, he's discouraged today, so we need to encourage him. So-and-so's discouraged today, or so-and-so's worried today. We, we're not the family like that. It's okay to be discouraged. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be down. If that's you this morning, his name's Jesus.
He can help you. He's written some words to you in a passage of Scripture. Psalm 23, Psalm 1, Hebrews, Romans, Ephesians. He's given you words to encourage your heart. He's given you information. All he's going to ask you to do is just trust him. Just have faith in what he says to you is true. Cling to the faith. Cling to the rock of the word of God. There's no better rock than the word of God. And when that word speaks to you, welcome it. In good conscience. Don't run away. Don't deny when he, he, he's speaking to you. Don't ignore it. Don't get aggravated at him. Father, thank you that we can come together as a family today and look how Paul passed on some information to Timothy. So, Father, if there's Pauls in this room, encourage their hearts. If there's Timothys in this room, keep on keeping on. Help us to fight with your faith. Good conscience. Help us to hold on to the Word of God in a world that's going to change tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, and it's going to hate the Word of God, make us a family that runs to the truth of the Word of God. Father, if there's people in our family that are like these two that are walking away, I just ask you to bring them back. I ask you to do whatever you need to do in their lives for them to stop and say, I need you, Jesus. If you're here this morning and you'd like to pray with somebody, we have the What's Next ministry in the back. They'd love to pray with you. Father, thank you for the privilege to open up the Word of God today. I pray, Holy Spirit, you empower us to be the sons and daughters. So I just thank you for this privilege. In your name I pray. Amen.